Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Armchair Booking Podcast. My, my name is Steve, and this is my co-host, Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. How you doing? Am I excited to talk about this? This ought to be a fun one. We're going to be armchair booking the top ten tasteless and or disgusting moments in wrestling determined by us. Uh, before we begin, I, I will say that we are actually going to hold all calls until after the end of the list. And if anybody would like to contact us, please email us at armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com and go to facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast and hit that like button and add yourself to our group. We've, we've actually been adding some people in the past week. It makes us happy. And so, um, Kyle, so I'm excited. You said you're excited as well. So as we begin to discuss this list, other than the current WWE product, what do you define as tasteless or disgusting as an angle? Something that would make me either just absolutely cringe or turn the channel. Um, And in in extreme cases, maybe say, you know what, I'm done watching this. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Why in the world would they go there? You know, there's some lines you don't cross, and that's what they've done. And so they, they cross some lines. But so we're, we're going to talk about angles going all the way back to the 80s. I know as we put together our two lists and made a mastered list um, because that's our fandom. And honestly, they didn't really do anything disgusting before the 80s. Yeah, not much. I mean, in it. A lot of the stuff they did may have been kind of local, so it didn't hit on a national scale like the ones that we're seeing now. And maybe that's why they have so much impact now is because everything's national. You know, and if, they, if there are any local ones, well, we still don't see them. Like the local promotion near where I live. If they have and, it, I don't see it. As we look at tasteless and disgusting, we're not looking at it through today's society this was disgusting when it originally aired. Yeah, some are still still disgusting. Well, or some just, are more disgusting, but yeah. we're not taking today's societal norm and saying, well, it's disgusting 20 years ago and trying to erase wrestling history. No. No, we're not trying to erase anything. We're not trying to... Uh, Figure it in the sand, say things didn't happen. And, you know, if you agree with them, let us know. Like I said, email me. You know, email uh, armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com and let us know your opinion. And go on the Facebook page. Let us know your opinion there. If you know me personally, Our, let me know your opinion. If you know Kyle personally, come, let him know your opinion. Come up with your own top ten list. Exactly. But this was a lot of fun coming up with the list, and we did debate on, on some of these, and um, it's pretty interesting, and we had our own reasons why we thought they should be in the top ten. And really, how we graded this, we came up with 20 apiece and then assigned points. Uh, the higher the ranking, the more points. Like number, if you were ranked number one, well, you got 20 points. If it was number two, we got 19 points. Number three, got 18, and so on and so forth. And the ones, um, of course, that we had on both of our lists got more points. And and so at the end of that, then 
said, okay, who were the top ten who have the most points? And uh, it actually kind of worked out that we actually did not have any ties in the top ten. No. In, in all things considered that you were a Mid-Atlantic wrestling fan and I was more WWF, our lists are actually pretty pretty similar. Yeah, they are. Very, very similar. Um. <clears throat> all right. So before we actually reveal who the number 10 angle was, I'm actually going to pause for a couple seconds for an advertiser break because we actually have advertisers now, Kyle. Isn't that exciting? What? Yeah. Yeah, we have advertisers. I was able to do that finally. I was able to get us hooked up. So, all right, I'm going to give a pause for about three seconds, and then for the commercial break, we'll come back. Okay. Now, for number 10, this is actually drum roll. This was one that I had on my list, but you actually did not have on yours. However, I had it ranked high enough to where it had a lot of points. Um, it was the Melanie Pillman interview the day after Brian Pillman's untimely death. And so, the, go ahead. What do you remember most uh, about the interview? Vince asking her, well, what are you going to do now? And her just saying, I don't know. And I just thought it was a little too soon to be asking, well, not only that, but asking, do you think, what do you think about the premature deaths in wrestling? And, and just the woman, I mean, literally just lost her husband. And yeah, it had been a tumultuous relationship. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they were not in exactly marital bliss, but at the same time, that was still her husband and she loved him and they had kids and, you know, they had a family, and, you know, here it is. I mean, she's got all this stuff to, to plan out. I mean, she has a funeral. She has, you know, to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? You know, what, what are the kids and I going to do? You know, and and here they are interviewing her on live TV, you know, about all this. And that's why I thought it was the it, it wasn't necessarily the interview itself that I thought was kind of tasteless or out of line. It was the timing of it. The the timing, the the topics, and Vince has never done that since. No, he hasn't. I mean, I will say that time he actually learned. Hey, you know, stay away for a little bit. Give somebody time to grieve. But. At- Accidental death, more natural causes for for him due to um, he had a heart issue. He was he was taking to enhance his size, right? And you know, on top of the fact that he did have a heart issue, it was the same thing that his dad had died from. But of course, he kind of exacerbated with with all the extracurricular chemicals he was putting in his body, like you said, to try to enhance his size and. And unfortunately, you know, Brian Pillman's somebody we lost way, way too soon. Because I, I loved watching him. I thought, you know, he was on his way to probably being world champion, probably maybe even in WWE. So two very infamous angles at the Pillman household, one being the Melanie Pillman interview, the second one being the uh, Pillman Glock, uh, what was it, a Glock 19? That he pulled out on Austin, and they ended yeah. raw. 
so the Pillman House and WWE angles, not. Yeah, didn't really go over so well that one either. So, uh, now on to, I'll go ahead and move on to number nine. And this was one that you had on your list, but I didn't have on mine. And it was the crucifixion of the Sandman. So this is one of the most legendary angles that came out of Extreme Championship Wrestling. The backstory on this is Sandman and Raven were in a bitter feud. Sandman's family had actually sided with Raven during the feud. Where Sandman's son, Tyler, wanted Raven to be his dad... Uh, Raven becomes the ECW champion and just all sorts of wild angles come out of this feud. During this crucifixion, Stevie Richards and the Blue Meanie come out and help Raven attack the Sandman and they actually make a crucifix and crucify him and lift him up against the ring ropes and leave him hanging there during the show. And you know this is bad when the ECW audience goes silent. How bad of an angle do you have to come up with to make that crowd go quiet? Yeah, that's, that's saying something right there. Historically, Kurt Angle is in the audience, and Kurt Angle was being groomed or courted by ECW to wrestle their champion, Taz, who was billed as a monster at the time. So imagine the wrestling history if Kurt Angle actually starts in ECW. But he gets so disgusted by this angle he threatens to sue Paul Heyman and has himself removed from the television show because he doesn't want to be associated with garbage like that. Oh, yeah. You, there's, there's lines that you just don't cross. And I actually had the undertakers um, when he was doing his kind of a crucifixions, uh, like Austin and Stephanie McMahon, but I actually took it off my list. Um, well, but see, the but Undertaker did it on his symbol. Right. It wasn't an actual cross. Like, for Sandman, they actually built a wooden cross and hung him up against the ring ropes and just left him there in a bloody mess. Like, if you see this online, historically... It doesn't get any better. It actually looks worse. Like, as you you hear all the ECW, and I mean, they had strippers, they smoked, they drank, they glorified drug use, beating up women. That angle shut them up. Well, that's something they can kind of put on their resume. They were able to shut up an ECW audience. So... I I think this one deserves to be a little higher, but that goes to um, you. You had to have the 
television outlet to watch ECW to actually catch it. It's something you can find online now if you know about it. But if you didn't watch it then or you didn't hear about it, it's not something like that made it to the, like it would be front page news if it happened tonight. Moving on, on to another subject that's, this is, and not just taste, but kind of taboo. Beaver cleavage. Beaver cleavage. What, how do you go from being a headbanger to this? This, um, I just don't understand. That's, I, I uh, believe this is headbanger mosh. I believe you're right. Because Thrasher tore his knee. And that's the downside of being a tag team member is when your partner gets hurt, you either come up with a new character or you're done. Right. And of all things, this is pure attitude era. They come up with a a play off Beaver Beaver Cleaver. Right. And they call him Beaver Cleavage. And he dresses up in the same goofy outfit as the beaver. But in this case, his mother is a 10. And she is dressed in a, a very skimpy outfit. And there is heavy implications of incest in the promo videos. Why would anybody think this is all right except for the fact that – let me look. Who came up with this? Um this is rumored to be a Vince Russo idea. Yeah. Obviously. It didn't last long. No, it was so they they had like three three promos for him. It got worse and worse. And I think he wrestled one match. Wow. Uh and uh, yeah, why would anybody it, think it's okay to bring incest into for incest? Period. Why would anybody think that's okay? And to oh, oh, oh um, yeah, that was bad. That was, but even today, where there's an industry that plays off this topic, this would be immediately shut down by the parents television council or whatever this would never make tv oh yeah today especially now today they're actually on uh, fox they're on a major network not just a cable network they're they're on a terrestrial network it definitely wouldn't fly Like Vince McMahon, to approve this, his sense of humor has got to be as can be. Oh, I'm pretty sure because there are some other ones that I thought about that didn't make either one of our lists, but they were kind of minor. But if you add up all the minors, they equal up to be kind of major. You know, you look at all the little incidences across the 
history of Vince's decision making. You know, the stuff he did with Trish Stratus and then with Linda supposed to be in a coma. Um and then, you know, him approving Lita and and Edge like in the ring, you know, doing what they did. You know, and Lita showing a little bit too much. Um, why would he think that'd be okay? You know, but then of course then he approved this, you know, a man and his mother. You know, I mean, it was one thing when you had Jim Cornette back in the day and then Percy Pringle back in the day that had, you know, their mother was financing them. And they were, oh, I'm going to go back to my mother and she's going to do, you know, that's one thing to be kind of a mama's boy. But this, well, I mean, it was a significant mama's boy. Yeah. Stayed as a headbanger, too. That's what. He could have stayed as a headbanger and just went single for a while instead of doing a total change because now they're back to being headbangers. But, I mean, this is um, this is the same as, like, the Chavo Guerrero being Kerwin White. That was another one that almost made my list, too, but I was like, that it didn't last very long. <laughs> but, thankfully. It, this goes to, like... They're trying to come up with characters, and this was just so far out there that you, you have to wonder who booked it. Right. And, like, what sort of sick, demented, perverted mind came up with that? Oh, well, I'm going to go ahead and move on to one that I actually had on my list, but you didn't have on yours. And this one, you know, I took a look. I mean, this one, this one was pretty bad. When Charlotte Flair started talking about uh, her younger brother, Reed, who had passed away a few years prior. And then they had Paige. Um, they had her actually saying some things about Reed. All boo-hoo-hoo. He was nothing but a loser and things like that. Rick Flair and Beth... Flair, I don't know if she's remarried now, but you know his his ex-wife Beth, you know Reed's mom. Oh, they were pretty hot about it because they were never consulted beforehand, and they would have never approved this being used in an angle. And I think this is the angle that hurt Rick Flair. Like it actually caused some resentment. Oh, probably um, so. Between the WWE and Ric Flair, I believe they cleared it with Charlotte, but she didn't know what she was going to say exactly. And and this this is the switch in modern wrestling because so much information is out there that you have to go so so real, so to the bone to to get a reaction out of people. So they, they've they clearly used Reed Flair in Charlotte's initial introduction into NXT or her story as to why she became a wrestler. Right. And, and they just... They crossed a line that they should have never even looked at. There's some things that are just off limits, period. And 
Somebody apparently didn't think so. And once again, this falls into what were they thinking? And Paige, of all of all people, um, coming from a wrestling family, yep. whose brother was in prison, um, yep. you'd think there'd be a little more sensitivity there. I mean, and I know Paige was probably doing what she was told to do, and I'm going to guess she probably didn't feel comfortable with it. Um. And then they didn't revisit it after that either. They kind of didn't really mention it again. And it was, oh, that was, that I was watching it live when it happened. And my wife and I were just aghast, just in shock. Going, Did she really just say that? And that was another one of those moments where the, the audience were like, <gasps> and it was just lines were crossed and it shouldn't have been. And we can't take it back. And no. Flair, yeah, Rick Flair, I mean, he was pissed beyond that, actually. Because he said they never talked to him. They didn't talk to Beth. And you would think that, especially Rick, I mean, he was, you know, he was collecting a paycheck from them. He's one of their ambassadors. So it's not like they couldn't get a hold of him. They they could have reached out to him. Um, I think this hurt the flares because they were still in denial over his drug use. Right. And to bring that up the way she did, um, it's one thing where you're a known user and you have an accident. Or he was trying to hide it, and the family thought he was getting the help he needed. And you know, you, you stick a needle in your arm like that, bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And to to bring it up to if for what he doesn't do any pay per views. Well, and uh, it, it was that it was actually on Raw when she did it. Raw were smacking it, but it was a, it it was on the main roster. But it 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 doesn't. What what did it sell? Like what was the point? It didn't pop a rating. Nope, didn't get what they were trying it, to do, and I, and I don't know if that's what they were trying to do was like you said, pop a rating, but it didn't work. And all it did was turn people off. It didn't increase a pay-per-view buy or sell a subscription to the network. Not at all. So, on that note, I will go ahead and move on. This is now the next, the last, um, all the next ones were some that you and I both had on our list. So number we six. Had number- we're at number six now. I'll just say two words for you. Choppy, choppy. Choppy, choppy, pee-pee. Choppy, choppy, pee-pee. This is, this is going to be really difficult to keep this family friendly, but we're going to try. <laughs> Val Venus oh. is playing adult entertainment movie character, and um, he 
makes advances on Yamaguchi's son's wife uh, from Kayantai. And uh, this goes on for several weeks, right? I don't remember Where how he, long it lasted um, besides too long. But he hit for several weeks. But then breaking out the samurai sword. Well, this is um, <laughs> the, the night of the event. Uh, Taka Mikinoshu with Val Venus and Taka basically turns heel because they have discovered that Val Venus has done more than hit on Yamaguchi-san's wife. Assault Val Venus, they take him to the back locker room because they're evil Japanese Kaintai characters. Indeed. Um, they pull out these samurai swords, and I don't know which one said it, but before they cut to commercial or ended the show, they say choppy, choppy, pee pee, and give the implication that uh, Valvina is a reduction in his character. Oh. <laughs> just and see, and that's one of those moments where you know if you're involved in the the storyline, you say, "What am I doing with my life?" And even if you're watching it, going, "What am I doing with my life?" I'm sitting here watching this, and that's why I have it. It's I think we both have it on our list because that makes you question your decision of why am I watching this show? Because if this is the crap they're showing. Oh, but just think about this. This is only number six. They're going to get worse. Oh, uh, us. <laughs> that just that played into Val Venus's character. And if you remember when he first came out, he uh, he was enhanced. And I don't know if this was a way to remove the enhancement to make him more TV friendly. Uh because it definitely got them there. <laughs> the whole thing—they uh, really could have done something else. <laughs> and it, it probably, if he hadn't said, "Well, broke out the samurai swords," and saying "choppy choppy peepee," which, first of all, another reason why it's disgusting is because it was actually about borderline racist, and. You know, I would compare that to the Long Duck Dong character in 16 Candles. You know, it's like, why are you making this guy do this? Yes, you're, you know, you're, you're paying them, but why are you making them do it? You know, it just, uh, it, it didn't do anything for me. I just feel like that. It, it, it goes into the historical, every territory had evil foreigners. Yeah, but this was in the, you know, the late '90s, early 2000s. This wasn't well, in the '80s. They still had Yokozuna. Kai and Tai could have been a good faction. Maybe, but could, well, yeah. 
you got to remember they they just came off the the race tables of the disciples of apocalypse and the uh, Los Bariquas and the Nation of Domination. Oh, yeah. well. <laughs> but uh, I know it uh, five are we able to take a quick break yes we are let's go ahead and take a, a quick advertisement break and then we will move on okay so now that we're back number five Eddie's death being exploited. More specifically, Randy Orton telling Ray that Eddie is burning in hell. Once oh. again, there's some lines you don't cross, and Eddie Eddie Guerrero was beloved by everyone. And part of the reason why, you know, specifically RKO telling Ray Mysterio that was because Eddie in his later years had actually become very religious. He he had become a born-again Christian, so now saying that he's burning hell is also insulting Eddie, and it's insulting Vicky, and it's insulting Dominic, and um, all their other kids. And because they're talking about their dad, and they're talking about Vicky's husband, and, and Ray's best friend. Dominic was Ray Mysterio's kid. I know. And I had, and I just totally because I had Dominic on my mind. <laughs> but either way, but Dominic was involved in the story because I mean he loved Ray too, or he loved Eddie too, probably like you know he was his uncle. So I mean he's they, insulting everybody. The the one thing with Eddie Guerrero, and I don't know why, um, because I mean he did turn his life around and uh, died of beloved character, but. Um, We look at him more in hindsight as a great, great character, and it was really his last five years that we're thinking of, because that's that's what we saw on television the most, and that's when they started using his, his overcoming substance abuse issues, more of his natural, his life into his character. And they used his death for at least three years because they used it with Randy Orton. They used it with uh, Batista. And the unique thing is they used it with Rey Mysterio, who is a friend, and not his nephew, Chavo, who was his blood relative. It wouldn't surprise me if Chavo said no. But Chavo, I mean, it, it, I mean, you knew it hit Chavo obviously pretty hard because, yeah, Eddie was his uncle, but at the same time, they were so close in age. You know, they grew up, I mean, like more brothers than uncle and nephew. Like they they could have used Chavo. Chavo could have gotten push or um and could have 
also done the same with Rey Mysterio and added him to it, but they didn't. They chose Rey because he was more marketable and a, a bigger star. And again, um, it was one of those lines or those things that they throw out. It didn't increase the buy rate pay-per-views back then. It didn't increase the rating. It didn't. I mean, it got some heat on Randy Orton. That's cheap heat. Yeah, that's that's cheap heat. And they didn't need, you know, to add any more electability to Rey Mysterio. Everybody loves Rey Mysterio. And he's always the underdog. I mean, the dude is, is what, 5'2", five 5'3"? Five I mean, he's always the smaller guy in the ring. And, you know, so he's always going to have the sympathy. So there was no reason to add that on top of that. You know, now granted that Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble in 2006 was fun to watch and him going wire to wire. But, like you said, there was no need to have Eddie's death, you know, like you said, for three years, them talking about it. But, moving on. It, it, well, go ahead. It, it just cheapens the legacy. Yeah. Like, it, at some point, you don't see them throwing out Bruno San Martino and, and his death when are Dusty Rhodes. Well, they do bring up Dusty Rhodes a lot. People die. It's great to remember them, but not the way, not by bringing up their name and saying, "Hey, he's burning in hell." That's that's tasteless, and that's turned the channel. Yep, and. That's why I made the list, and that's why they haven't done it since. So um, now I will have to move on, though, to number four. And this was another one that I remember watching it when it happened. And I'm thinking, I'm turning this to WCW because WCW is still on the time. May Young gives birth to a hand. So Prior to the late 90s, I didn't know who Mae Young was. Oh, and, you know, if you look at her legacy that she had back in the 50s and 60s and the 70s with wrestling, that won't be remembered. This will. And that's a shame. She'll be remembered for maybe the stuff she did with the Dudleys, which for being her 70s, taking the 3D through the table like that, you know, was pretty amazing. Um, her showing her 70-year-old boobs was not amazing. Ugh. And this right here, uh, who actually literally wrote this down on a piece of paper or typed it up on <laughs> in a document and sent it and said, hey, I know what we can do. Let's have Mae Young in her 70s get pregnant. Oh, and not have a, a whole baby. Just have her give birth to a hand. Uh, of all things, to, to pair her 
with nation of domination, Mark Henry, make him sexual chocolate, which, I mean, it was way better than what he was doing before. Oh yeah, I love I love Mark Henry. So, but, but uh, and he was so he was and he was stuck in this too. And, and they go out and they go out on these dates, and then she gets pregnant, and then for whatever reason, like like you said. She bursts a white hand. Uh, now, if her boyfriend is Mark Henry, shouldn't the hand have been black? Or at or least somewhere between? Have some tint. But um, uh, they, they uh, made fun of this at Raw 1000, and the hand made a cameo. You know, did they start some of the wellness policy right after this? You know, maybe for the staff, maybe for the writers, because somebody had to have been high when they came up with this. Uh, anything more ridiculous than a hand? Oh, I'm. I'm <laughs> there could have been some things that are worse, but I really would not want to know what they are, and I don't want to focus thinking about it. Just, ah. Uh, well, I mean, considering she's so. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't expand on that being a family-friendly show. No. <laughs> so I would just like to go to number three. Number should be on number three. Ed Ferrara, Oklahoma Care. This has a solid argument to be number one. Oh, absolutely. I think the last three, um, all three of them do. And, and this is where Ed Ferrer leaves WWF, and they create a character called Oklahoma, which is a spinoff JR. Mm-hmm. And they don't just do his mannerisms and his barbecue sauce. They make fun of his Bell's palsy. Yeah, a very serious you know, disease that – some people think that all it does, okay, it just makes their face drippy. No, I mean, there's more to it than that. Um, because I knew two guys, and this was actually, it, this actually made me think the disease could have been contagious. Because when I was stationed in England, and I was playing uh, guitar and bass with uh, my church's uh, praise team, there were two guys at the same time, both of them got hit with bouts of Bell's palsy. One was a younger guy, probably around 19. He was um, a guy who played guitar, drums, whatever. The other guy was a guy, he, I think he was running in his 50s. Both of them got hit with it at the same time. And it's not pleasant. And for somebody to make fun of it, you know, especially on a, on a large stage, a national stage like that, you know, what, just so we could take a pot shot at Jim Ross? And he was supposed to be his friend. Right. And, and the sad thing with that is they got his actual friend, Dr. Destiny Williams. To, yeah. They pay him to stand in the background and be a part of it. Yeah. He, even Turner Broadcasting, who had standards and practices in a legal department, they approved that. 
And like you said, it would have been fine if they had just said something about all oh, the barbecue sauce. Okay, we're just, we're gonna we're gonna mock how he does his style. Oh, he's got to do a sound bite. See, don't sound bite. Oh, pinata, pinata, pinata. Fine, leave it at that. Don't mock the man's illness. You know, don't mock something that was amplified whenever the when Jr.'s mom had passed away. You know, it affects his speech. It affects his and here he is. They are mocking him for it. And Jr., you know, his he has more class than any of them put together. You know, even on his podcast, and I'm pretty sure you listen to it as well. You know, when he gets into the um, his kind of fired up mode, he still has more class than anybody else. So anyway, but I mean, that's all I have to say about that one. Unless you have something more. Um, you know, I'll go ahead and, and move on. All um, right. All right. Number two, and this is a very, very recent one. And this is actually what inspired me to say, hey, Kyle, let's, I have an idea for one of our podcasts, one of the ones coming up. You know, like, let's, let's use this. You know, what, this is just disgusting and tasteless. Oh, I have an idea. Let's put it on a podcast. Eye for an eye. Uh, and and <laughs> this, this um just replayed on Raw, and they keep showing it. And I know they're going to, and I know they're going to show it for a while. I get it, but no, I mean I really don't need to see what's supposed to be Ray's eye being popped out, then you know pushing his face onto the steel steps. And then with the, you know, even if it is obviously a fake eye, you know, because when they said that was going to be the stipulation for the match was the winner had to gouge the other one's eye out. I'm like, there's no way. There is no way they're going to carry on with this. And then it never changed. And never changed came short time. And, yeah, it did get the better of me as far as curiosity going, how are they going to pull this off? Okay, well, apparently having a Pokemon ball, you know, slathered in ketchup or whatever, you know, to pop for his eye. And I don't know if they had somebody like David Copperfield or Chris Angel actually show them how to make the illusion like they just popped his eye out. But either way, it was gross. I don't care if it's real or fake. That was gross. And then the show Seth Rollins, you know, <laughs> puking everywhere. That, and that was very real. You know, him puking, so I don't know if he was gagging himself, making himself puke for it, or if he just has the ability to puke at will. But, no, that's just disgusting. That's the reason for the show. But that's the only good that came out of it. We have, we've got a podcast idea out of it. That's the only good. Uh, the, the whole thing, Ray Mysterio wears a mask. Oh. You... Put in a prosthetic eyeball, give the visual that he's smashing it against the ring steps. Uh, Buddy Murphy just did this to Alistair Black on Raw Monday, so they did it again. Like, one, if 
if you're going to do that or if we're, we're in a real fight, I am not going to position myself against sharp ring steps. No. With any orifice of my body and stand there and take it. That's where you just kind of go too far. Like if it were an arm hanging out there. If you want to see a match where an eyeball actually does pop out for real, you need to find Big Van Vader and Stan Hansen from Japan around 1993, I believe. Maybe a little bit before that. Dan Hansen caught Vader with a shot, and it actually did pop his eyeball eyeball out a little bit. And, he, and Vader had to push it back in. It's pretty gross, actually, but it was not planned. I'm like this this crap. Anyway, and, uh, and yeah. again, <sighs> you wonder why Raw's ratings are at a 1.4. And see, and they can't they can't blame it on not having an audience because they still have a TV audience. Well, they for now, like you said, their ratings are going down, and it's because of dumb crap like this. And oh, now I see. And even now, I just I want to go ahead and move on. Before we move on, we'll take our last advertisement break. And then we will tell the honorable mentions and the number one thing that Kyle and I find gross or, ta- or tasteless or disgusting. Right? Now for the advertisement break. Okay, Kyle. We're going to move on. First honorable mention. Big, big show dad funeral. So Bossman and the Big Show are in a, his first title feud, and big Big Show's dad legitimately dies. He had not and, died yet. He, he actually had, was still he was he was still alive during this. He died. At, he actually did die later on. But they get Big Show's mom to say his dad is not really his dad, and that he was a bastard. So you have the Bossman telling the big show, you're a bastard in his southern draw. And um, the highlight of this is where Bossman goes to the big show's dad's funeral and hooks, hooks his casket up to a vehicle and proceeds to drive off with the casket. Uh, next honorable mention also involves a big show. Well, not Big Show, I'm sorry, Big Boss Man. Two words again, pepper steak. Oh, my gosh. The, why in the world? Oh. Pepper was Al Snow's dog. Was. And was. They, um, he's in a feud with the Big Boss Man, and... Um, an accident happened, and the big boss man basically fed Pepper, the dog, to Al Snow on a plate. And it yep. led to the, um, the kennel in a cell. In a cell match, the worst uh, 
WrestleMania match ever. Uh, I don't think it was WrestleMania. I think it was just a pay-per-view centered around that on its own. <laughs> it it, it oh. was one, one of the worst matches. Oh, it was horrible. Got these dogs running around, peeing everywhere, and, you know, loving on each other a little bit and pooping on the floor. And they're supposed to be vicious and attacking them. And uh, so that, that that's... Besides the the angle itself just being kind of moronic, it led to that horrible match. So that's why it's on this list. That's all we both have it on our list. Last honorable mention before we reveal number one, Jeff Hardy's substance abuse issues. So you, you have multiple wrestlers on this list. Uh, I know you brought up Sheamus because that's a current event. Uh, Orton from a couple years ago. And um, this first started with CM Punk during CM Punk's first championship reign. And you have a guy who's an alcoholic or into uh, medicinal substances. And you throw it in his face. Over and over and over again. And, and how do, how do you put alcohol in front of a recovering addict's face and expect him not to relapse? In a in a way, I almost feel like maybe they want him to. Just so they can they point fingers. You don't just say Jeff Hardy. You you brought up Road Warrior Hawk. Uh, Scott, Scott Hall. Hall. Is another one. There's this once again, and I'll say it don't go in the face. It's lines they crossed that they should have not even come near. Uh, but anyway, that was an honorable mention. So for number one, can you give me a drum roll, please, sir? <laughs> this one should come as no surprise to anybody. Katie Vick. Worst wrestling angle ever. And we brought up incest with beaver cleavage. Necrophilia with Katie Vick. <sighs> and, and, and this is like, I almost, I almost made this episode PG-13 because I knew this was going to be very, very hard to keep this family-friendly. But you don't love on the dead. Like, not like that. And, and, and it did just <laughs> like, like Kate Dick was Kane's girlfriend. Whatever happened to her, Triple H goes to the funeral. And, um, uh, says a few things, implies that he'll show her that he's more of a man than Kane and climbs on top of her and it goes to commercial. And that man uh, is now the CEO of the company. Think about that. And can you really deny an angle if Triple H does that? I'm thinking that he may have, he may have had a little bit too much influence back then. But I still want to know who thought of this. 
And how much LSD had they taken beforehand? Crack had they smoked and say, hey, I know it would be a good idea. You know that dead girl? Yeah, have Triple H, you know, do things with her. uh, And that was another one that made me turn the channel. I don't even know if I put it on WCW. I know I turned the channel. I turned the channel and I stopped watching. I mean, that was... Uh, and that's another one. Thankfully, they have not. Um, actually, I couldn't have watched it. Uh, I couldn't have gotten WCW. This was in 2002. So it's not like they had Vince Russo on their staff. Somebody else wrote this. And. Vince McMahon approved it. So that sounds like a good idea. I mean, I'm thinking they must be catching Vince at a time when he's distracted by something. And, you know, they're like, hey, will you read this? Oh, yeah, 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 sure, go ahead. Uh, no. Vince, <laughs> PayPal. PayPal? Oh. Just uh, of all the things to do for an angle, um, granted, I can't name another necrophilia angle, but I would want uh, to. There, there's basically conflict. If it was about a woman, she should be living. Um, that that's the thing. Booking a, a story, two guys have to fight. What is the creator of the conflict? And that's just not not a way I would ever consider. Like, I can't name an enemy or a childhood fight that I would ever consider doing that. That's just epitome of disgusting. And just sick and ew. And this, why? Because it, it's not like they were still punishing. Hopefully, they weren't still punishing Triple H after the curtain call incident. That was six years oh, no. prior. He had already been a multi-time champion, but right. And at that point, he's already dating or married to Stephanie. Uh, Two thousand two. So yeah, they they were together. I don't know if they were married yet, but they were together. So, I mean it. You have the number one guy, if he does whatever Vince says, um, no one else can say no. But you say you, say you but, love my daughter, you'll do anything for her, right? I want you to go do this. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Maybe somebody, maybe there was a bet going on. Maybe there was a dare. Either way, it became our number one on our list of of the top ten tasteless Disgusting moments in wrestling. And (laughs) the the sad thing is, off the list, you have, what, two or three of them that are current angles. Yes. And you just sit and wonder why 
the WWF ratings are so low. And we didn't mention the AEW angle. We did not mention the Impact Wrestling angle uh, on the list. Um, And there's not one from ROH or New Japan. This is why AEW beats NXT in the ratings every single week. Every week. Yep. You, you create the conflict, find different ways to get there, and then they talk up the, the feud. Yep. So, on that note, Kyle, I will give you the pleasure of announcing next week's topic because I know you've been wanting to do this one for a while. When I say a while, I mean, you know, just a month and a half that we've been doing the podcast. But you go ahead and announce what it is there, my friend. Next week, we're going to discuss the career and championship runs of the real world champion and Steve Barber's favorite wrestler, Brock Lesnar. Sure, and you see now that just made number one of the top ten disgusting things. <laughs> that, that just topped it. I know uh, you're a fan. <laughs> uh, I mentioned the the one good thing about today's product is Brock Lesnar because he's a real athlete and not a sports entertainer, and it comes across like that on television. I think it will be a very lively discussion because you disagree with me. I don't disagree with all the points, but there are some points that I absolutely disagree. I think he is the WWE's one main draw, the only current superstar worth watching on television as booked, and he's the only one that gets booked properly on television. We'll see. We would. I was about to say something. But I was like, nope. Let's save it for the podcast. And we're going to bring up beatbox Brock Lesnar when he won Money in the Bank. Can't wait. All right. On that note, my friend, I will be. We will discuss this throughout the week, and I will talk to you again next week. We will see. All you. right. See ya.